0: Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome to Get Your Goat. Josh here, and I'm here to talk about the Patriots-Bills Monday night game. I got a lot of thoughts on that and how the Bills are done in another team. I think they're going to join this year. My thoughts on that tomorrow, Steelers-Vikings Thursday night football game. A pivotal matchup between an AFC team that's in the hunt. And an NFC team that is in the playoff hunt. Then go through some NFL news. Give you my top five teams right now in the NFL. Move on to the NBA. The Lakers beat the Celtics. Does that mean much? Then a New York Ranger dirty hit on a Chicago Blackhawk player yesterday. I'll react to that and give you my NHL top five. My Heisman pick and the best college games and players of this football season all that and more on this episode. so let's get started Patriots versus Bills Monday night football game what a scene it was the high gusts of wind the snow uh, the blur uh, the blizzard flurry all that what an atmosphere it was in Buffalo before the game I picked buffalo. To win a close one. Because I thought their defense was a little better. But was I wrong? Was I wrong on that one? At least their rushing defense. If i known the Patriots were to run the ball 43 times. I would not have picked the Buffalo Bills. New England Patriots won 14 to 10. I did say, you know... A team would be lucky to score more than 20 points. I thought the winner would be below 20. I was right on that. Patriots won 14-10. to 10 In a game that Mac Jones only threw three passes. Two of three for 19 yards. That is all that he did all night long. Now on the Patriots side, you can't really evaluate Mac Jones because... He only three, threw three passes. He didn't throw any in the first quarter. Then he goes with the wind, and I'm expecting more passes because Josh Allen threw 30 passes. Mac Jones only threw three. If you had any other quarterback in the league, even if you're Bill Belichick, I believe Mac Jones would have thrown three touchdown pat or three passes this game if it was Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers, you don't throw three passes only because it's Mac Jones. He's a rookie. It's in this environment that he's never been in, played his whole life in the SEC. He's not used to this kind of weather. Uh, hasn't been you know like that in Foxborough yet. Uh, so he comes into this and the game plan by Belichick was just great. I don't think he had a lot of faith in Mac Jones to throw the ball a lot. But he had a game plan which he knew he was gonna, which he knew was gonna work. Why? Because he looked to the teams that have beat Buffalo so far this season. Now saying this, I've had a lot of flack for saying Nick Saban is the greatest coach of all time. I put Belichick at two. I still believe that. But after this game, I got to give it to Belichick. You know, he is the greatest coach in NFL history, I will give him that. But he looked to the teams that have beat the Bills so far this season. Who beat the Bills so far this season? Well, the Titans beat the Bills, and they ran for 146 yards in that win. The Colts beat them. The Colts ran for uh, 260 Four yards in Indianapolis threw only 406, so they ran 204 60, uh, 64 times on 46 attempts. Gash of Buffalo Bills. Jonathan Taylor had that five touchdown performance. So we have seen teams beat the Bills that way with a great rushing attack and running game. So Bill Belichick watched film, went to the board and said, hey, Buffalo has a tough time when you just pound it in there. It could have been easier because Buffalo just lost Tredavious White, their best cornerback, and say, let's test it. But Bill Belichick says, I'm going to do what these other teams did and do exactly that. The New England Patriots rushed for 46 attempts, the same amount of attempts that the Indianapolis Colts did they ran for 222 yards, still 40 something yards or less than the Colts. 19 yards passing, and they still won the game. They had more penalties than the Bills. Uh, 47 yards. You know, they had a fumble lost as well off a of deflection, which was Buffalo's only touchdown right there for 12. But Bill Belichick ran the ball right through Buffalo's defense. And Buffalo could do nothing about it. So after the game, I believe Poyer and Micah Hyde are asked, uh, Buffalo Bill safeties, you know, was this an embarrassing uh, t- uh, performance for your defense not being able to stop run? And they were offended by that question. I don't know why they were offended. The reporter said it's a legitimate question. There's going to be concern around the NFL. I believe, as a reporter, that is a legitimate question to ask. Because this isn't the first time it's happened. It's not, oh, it's a one-off. We have seen the Bills get gashed time and time again this season. And I said their defense is good. On paper, it tells me, oh, it's good. They have a few shutouts as well. All this, number one defense, number one fantasy defense, all the metrics, high in the pass, high in the rush, Better rush defense than the New England Patriots. But you just can't stop it. And you look deeper down. And it's like the winning teams they beat this year. The only one they beat was the Chiefs. And they had no semblance of a defense when they started. And they know they like to throw the ball. So they were able to stop that. But Bill Belichick came in with a master class. This was a master class of coaching. He took Sean McDermott. To school on the other side. This was a great Belichick coaching performance. And to me, this solidifies New England as contenders. I'm not going to say they're back. I never want them uh, to be back. But I don't think they'll win the Super Bowl. But I think now with the defense that they have, with the offense that they have, uh... This is a formidable opponent, I think, for years to come, you know, with a rookie quarterback. That's how good I think the Patriots are. They're good enough to be contenders. I don't think they'll be favorites, near favorites when Brady was there. But New England is back. Now, this spells trouble for the rest of the AFC. But for one team in particular, that is the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo. Oh, what a team this was, you know, last year 13-3, 13-3, Josh Allen second in MVP voting, great offense, great passing game, need the defense to get better. Now the defense gets better this year, and Josh Allen is having the exact opposite of an MVP season, still no rushing game, but that was the same last year, maybe we're still a good team. Now Josh Allen has looked inconsistent this season, looked like the Josh Allen I didn't see last year. But the year before, maybe I think last year, like I said the past few episodes, past few times, maybe last year was just a one off for Josh Allen. Maybe Buffalo, similar to Cleveland, where Cleveland had their one shot last year. Buffalo had their one shot last year, and this is it because they are proving to be a fraudulent team. Now they have to go play Tampa Bay, and then they play New England. This is a team, not pegged by me, but by many sports analysis, media I watched, Buffalo was one of the favorites in the AFC. You know, if the Chiefs sort of slip up, you know, which they have shown this year and uh, regressed and Buffalo beat them, the Bills are just the best team. Uh, they're just so good. Let's forget about the record. Now everybody's like, whoa, the Bills really aren't so good. They have issues. I believe so at most. They're going to end up with 10 wins because I think they'll lose to the Bucks this weekend and they're going to lose to the Patriots again in a few weeks. So yes, that guarantees seven losses, not even winning their own division uh, in finishing in a 5-7 to seven playoff spot. That's what I think of the Bills. And then you think the Bills don't own the tiebreaker over the Colts, so... You know, that plays into factor as well. So, no, the Bills are done. Sean McDermott is done. Josh Allen, this team, they won their AFC East last year. But that was it. That was it. Buffalo is done. I'm writing them up like I'm writing in Cleveland. Uh, They can make the playoffs, but it'll be very tough for them to win a game on the road when they'll have to play teams like Tennessee, New England, Baltimore, all again, and have a formula for how to beat Buffalo. But then another thing popped into my mind, and that was, you know, you had the Patriots going out this year, spending a record amount of guaranteed money on players' players' contracts. If I'm Tom Brady, I'm thinking, really? Really, I was the man, took pay cuts year after year, allowed for people To come in and sometimes you didn't always spend money. We were cap-strapped somehow. And now you go out and spend a record money on players. You bring in John U. Smith and Hunter Henry tight ends. I like throwing the tight ends. You know that. Gronk and uh, former Aaron Hernandez and all them. I like the two-headed monster. Now you bring them in for Mac Jones. You draft running backs as well. Wide receivers you bring in. And I mean... I'm glad Tom Brady's in a situation uh, we're finding himself in, but AFC, number one seed right now, it's the New England Patriots, and it looks like it could be them with their remaining schedule. They could get the number one seed. Now, with that being said, ESPN, FBI has a Patriots versus Bucks Super Bowl as the most likely matchup. And that's funny because I was talking about that uh, a couple days ago. I was like, could it really happen that the Patriots versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would be the Super Bowl? I mean, just the magnitude of that matchup. We saw earlier in the year Tom Brady beat Bill Belichick in New England and Foxborough, the homecoming. But to have that... Be the Super Bowl, the coach versus the player in the Super Bowl? I mean, that one right there is for ultimate GOAT status. I think Belichick wins that one. He can take the crown as the greatest coach of all time. He can take that crown. I'll forego Nick Saban and give it to him. But if Brady wins again in another one... Now we've got eight to six. I mean, that proves it right there that at 44 years old, he's running away with the MVP, at least in my mind, the prohibitive favorite. I mean, what a storyline that would be, especially if he does win MVP. You could have Belichick winning coach of the year as well. All the storylines for that game. That would be a fun, entertaining Super Bowl to watch. And I find that very likely. To happen. I won't get my hopes up too high. But I find that very likely to happen. Now moving on to tomorrow's game. The Pittsburgh Steelers. And the Minnesota Vikings. Big game right here. Two teams. Just out of a playoff hunt. Uh, Pittsburgh sitting there. Right there at the 8th spot. And Minnesota at the nine spot. They've dropped two straight games. To drop to 5-7-1 and seven. One just to the Lions. But now they're here. Davin Cook still out with a shoulder injury. It looks like Adam Thielen will be out as well. So the Vikings are shorthanded. Of course the Steelers have had their issues in defense all season long. And issues that they face. But this to me is a big game for both teams. You just had Baltimore gift Pittsburgh a win the other day. But this this is a big game. I'm picking Minnesota to win this game. It's at home for Minnesota. I know it's prime time. Kirk Cousins in prime time is not good. We saw that uh, earlier in the year when they played the Cowboys in Minnesota. Backup quarterback for Dallas. And they could not get the win. Now it's Thursday night. Can they get for win? I think so. Thursday night football, to me, at least, that's not Thanksgiving or opening night of the season. It's always kind of, at least to me, the most lackluster primetime game to me. Sunday night's a big one. Monday night's, you know, the second big one. And then I have, you know, Thursday night always, you know, usually being the least of importance to me. comes after a short rest. Players don't like Thursday night games. You know, I'm not the biggest fan of Thursday night games as well. So, in this least primetime matchup, I think Kirk Cousins can get it done. You know, he was, he's was he been a high-graded quarterback this year. Statistically, he's improved, but under key moments last week, of the week before. He's made some errors. Uh, I'm going to fault him for that, but Ben Roethlisberger hasn't looked good at all this season. So, I'm sitting here having to pick this, and I just think Minnesota can get it done. I think they're the most desperate team. I think they look at their schedule and say, we need this one because to finish off we have the Rams and the Packers. That could be two more losses, and that's nine losses right there. It's going to be very tough to make the playoffs with an 8-9 and record. I think they need the win here. That would be the 8-9 and they lose here. I think you can kind of count Minnesota out of the playoffs. Whereas the AFC is tight too, you have uh, Pittsburgh right there with a win, maybe close to being in, but with a loss. uh, You now have Indianapolis ahead of them, and they still play them as well. The Steelers play the Chiefs again, play the Chiefs, the Ravens again. So this is a pivotal game for just a playoff spot. Doesn't even matter about playoff positioning, anything like that. This is a pivotal game for both teams. I think Vikings could get, get it done. We had all this uh, hot seat argument on Matt Nagy a few weeks ago before Thanksgiving. And now Mike Zimmer, back-to-back losses. Now, he's on the hot seat. You know, is he the next to be gone? I think they lose this one. This one could very well cost Mike Zimmer his job. I think he's aware of that. The players are aware of that. They need to go out. And not win, you know, big or a resounding win. They just need to get the win. doesn't matter how it comes. But I think Minnesota can rally. They can win this game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now other NFL news. Jamal Adams, Seahawks safety, is going to miss the rest of the season with shoulder surgery. But isn't bench is great. This guy Jamal Adams, who they traded two first round picks for, two first round picks last year. Played through shoulder injury, had a torn labrum, got surgery on it. This year does the same thing. Now he's getting surgery because he thinks the season is over. You know they said it was just a sprain, but they said it's a similar urge, uh, injury. To the labrum that was hit last year. So now Jamal Adams is done. You trade two first-round picks for this man. Make him the highest-paid safety. And he's gone. And he's gone. Uh, Again, I never liked this trade to begin with. I thought it was too high. Two first-round picks for a safety. Now he gets to the Seahawks. And it just seems like he's either injured, battling through injury. Now he's done. To me, this doesn't mean a lot to the Seahawks because the focus is on Russell Wilson and the offense, but their defense has gotten a lot better uh, as of recently. He's played a hand in it. They're just going to have to fight through adversity and pay this man is $17 million a year uh, while he is getting uh, shoulder surgery. Uh, so goodbye, Jamal Adams. Hopefully, I never see you in a Seahawk uniform again. But I know that's probably too optimistic. Then Ryan Fitzpatrick, another what player, to have season-ending surgery, uh, arthroscopic hip surgery. And now he's done for the season. I think it's smart. I think he was kind of hoping to see what would happen. But Taylor Heineke, I don't think he's the greatest quarterback. Don't think he's a bona fide NFL star or a 16-game starter regular for playoffs. But what he has done... Is won four straight games for the Washington football team, has put them in the playoffs as of recently, and also put them in the conversation for the division. So they have done a great job. So Ryan Fitzpatrick having season-ending surgery. Hopefully Heineke doesn't get hurt uh, because then again that would hurt the football team and then turning to another quarterback with even less experience than Taylor Heineke. Then Keenan Allen is put on the COVID list. Does this hurt the Los Angeles Chargers? Yes, it does. But thankfully, you know, if he's out, he'll be out this Sunday. Uh, He is not playing against the Giants, so it shouldn't be missed. I know the Giants pulled off the upset over the Raiders, and sometimes the Chargers look inconsistent. But this is a one they should be able to subside. The worry should be, is he going to return next Thursday night against the Chiefs? If it was a regular Sunday game, this would be fine. But will he clear protocol, get the double back, or double uh, a test back in before they play the Chiefs? That will be the big question mark for this Chargers team. Now, I'm going to give you my top five teams in the NFL right now. Number five, the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, the Dallas Cowboys haven't been the most impressive team as of late, but when you're leading the offense with 400 or leading the league in offense with 416 yards per game, uh, you're doing something right, especially with a balanced attack of running the football and passing the ball. They are 6th in rushing at 129 yards a game. They're 4th in throwing or in passing yards at 287. Uh, they are also 2nd in scoring at 29.4. So offensively, this is a good team. A very good team. Not the best defensive team. Uh, bottom 15 of defense. But then again, they have had a lot of turnovers, at Trayvon Diggs. So they bend a lot, bend more than they should, break a few. But this offense is where it is at. They also score a ton of points sitting there at Uh, 353 uh, points, like I said, and also a high point differential at 86, one of the highest in the league. That's why they are number five on my list. Number four, the New England Patriots just felt like default, had to put them there. I'm just kidding. They had a great performance, like I said, against the Buffalo Bills, With that win, they solidified their spot as top dog, not only in the AFC East, but in the AFC overall. This team has been brilliant, and also, I know a lot of talk has been on the Cardinals and how they're 7-0 on the road. What a good away team this is. But do you know, do you know, this isn't what we're talking about, the Patriots I have also not lost a road game this year. They're 6 and oh. Of course, it'll be tough this week when they play the Colts. But this is another team. Again, like I said, undefeated on the road. We want to talk about the Cardinals. But the Patriots have done it too. They're playing great defense. One of the best defensive teams in the league. Uh, in terms of yards allowed, they're sitting there. At third, one in points, top-scoring defense. I mean, this team is getting it done. And then also, they are the number one team in point differential, scoring 350 points to allowing a total of 200 for the year. Again, balanced team offensively and one of the best teams defensively. Number three, the Green Bay Packers, yes, off a of bye, so can't really judge them for anything they've done this week. But guess what? They are one of two teams who are undefeated at home. Makes Lambeau a tough place to play. They got Aaron Rodgers, who's right there as an MVP candidate. Devontae Adams still playing right into me. I know Cooper Cup is number one in yards and all that. But if I have to get Cooper Cup or Devontae Adams... I'm taking Devontae Adams any day of the week. And then this defense as well has improved a lot this season. I know they had the anomaly game to the Vikings, but this is a top 10 defense in terms of yards per game and points. So this is a great defensive attack that they have. Number two, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, to me, the most talented team. Another team is undefeated at home, which proves, like I said, there's two teams undefeated on the road. There's two teams undefeated at home. Maybe sometimes home's not always the best place to play unless you're Green Bay at Lambeau or Tampa Bay at Raymond James Stadium. This team is one of the best offensive teams in the game. They score the most points, only team to average over 30 points a game we're one of two teams to average 400 yards per game. Also, number one team in past yardage, Tom Brady, MVP candidate, uh, MVP favorite, I should say. But what's improved over last year is, to me, the running game is a little bit more effective. I know it ranks in the bottom half of the league, but to me, they're getting a lot more contribution than they did last year from that. Their defense has been shredded due to injury this season, but a lot of it to me, they're getting on their way back, they're finally getting healthy, this spells doom, doom for every other team in the NFL. Number one team, I'm going to say this, just by default and by record, is the Arizona Cardinals. I don't have a ton of respect for Arizona Cardinals, I'll respect the ten and two record, however, the only team to be ten and two, however, seven and zero on the road. All respect that. All respect that they're, you know, point differentials plus one nineteen. You know, one of the few teams that are in that one hundred mark. Uh, one of the four teams. I will give them that. But when I look at an NFL team, you know, I want a team that is top five. Or in offense and defense, in defense, they are sitting there at number five, and then on offense, you know, they're not even in the top ten. So that's tough. Yes, they're just outside the top ten there, but sitting at number eleven in terms of yards per game, scoring there at twenty-eight, which is high. But I want to see a little bit more offense, you know, from the Arizona Cardinals. I'm glad they can beat the Bears and the Seahawks and, you know, the Texans and teams like that. Uh, But they've only faced a few good teams this year. Uh, The Packers, they lost to They beat the Rams. But coming down this stretch when they play the Rams, uh, the Colts, the Cowboys, that will be very telling for this Cardinals team. I'm not high on the Cardinals, even though they are my number one team. Again, some things don't make a lot of sense. But as Korg says from Thor Ragnarok, The only things that make sense is that nothing makes sense. Maybe this is how you could sum up this NFL season. uh, Because it has been crazy. A lot of close games. The parity has closed. But those are my top five teams in the NFL. The Dallas Cowboys. The New England Patriots. The Green Bay Packers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the Arizona Cardinals. Now moving on to the NBA. Last night, the Los Angeles Lakers beat the Celtics. They were 12-12, improved to 13-12. Same record as Boston. And look at that. The Stars were out last night. Russell Westbrook I thought was good. was in attack mode. LeBron James as well was efficient in scoring 30 points. Malik Monk added a few off the bench. THT. uh, They overpowered the Boston Celtics, and Jason Tatum, showed up, played out 34 points, 5 of 7 from 3. But no, uh, Jalen Brown and the rest of the team did not show up for the Lakers. They were a the better team. They wanted to attack. They were more effective, efficient. Uh, field goal percentage, uh, they were getting in there in the paint. Rebounding, scoring in the paint as well, 66 points in the paint. That is what I want to see from the Los Angeles Lakers when they have bigs Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Dwight Howard, I want to see points in the paint, dominate in the paint. They shouldn't be beat in the paint with the guys that they have. But this just sums up a Lakers season They're 13 and 12 where they have been you know not, you know a complete consistent team. They have been wildly inconsistent. Where they win a game, lose a game. Win a game, lose a game. That is just the MO right now of the Lakers. Very similar to last year. They need to improve. They need to improve fast. And the biggest improvement to me is defensively. Because they are letting their opponents opponents score more than they score. That's a problem. I know it's minor. I think it's 112 points per game. The Lakers average... Compared to, you know, 113 points that the opponents on them score. So the Lakers score 112 points. That's a decent mark. That is more than the Phoenix Suns. That's actually number four in the league. Only three teams score more points than the Lakers. That is the Golden State Warriors, the Utah Jazz, and the Charlotte Hornets. So on offense, I know a lot of times it's inconsistency. It's fine. But the biggest thing is defense. They need better defense, uh, transition defense, perimeter defense, interior defense. They need it all. Anthony Davis, you know, has been in the conversation for defensive play every year. That is what he has to be. He has to be a great two-way player, which he can be. But he has to be that. I think they're gonna have to improve. Defensively, for sure, if they are going to make any type of run in the West. So, this is my pick to win it all. If I known defensively they were going to be that bad, then I wouldn't have picked them. But they are the second worst team defensively in the league. That does not make up, you know, all those shortcomings on defense. Uh, You can't make up on offense. That's what makes you an inconsistent. 500 team like the Charlotte Hornets, who are the most potent offense, but are the worst team defensively. When you have a great offense and a you know atrocious defense, you're getting a 500 team. So that is a result of the way that they play. Tonight there's two games, two big games: Milwaukee Bucks, Miami Heat. Big matchup here. You know Miami, Eric Spolstra. Has had Milwaukee's number eight a lot in the regular season in the playoffs. You know, Milwaukee avenged their demons last year. I was gonna pick Miami, but Jimmy Butler aggravated an injury. He won't play tonight. With that, and with how Milwaukee has been playing recently, you know, on a four or on a two game win streak. They've won nine out of their past ten. I have to go with Milwaukee, with Giannis, who is still the anchor for this team. One of the best players averaging a double-double this season. I think without Jimmy Butler, the wall that Miami builds to stop Giannis, it hurts moving forward. But Milwaukee, I think, is going to wind up winning this game. And Giannis will find a way to score points. I wouldn't be surprised if he drops 30 points on the Miami Heat. Then you have the... Trailblazers and the Warriors. Now, before the season, you know this is a matchup you want to schedule because the Trailblazers should be a good team, but they're not. They're eleven and fourteen. But it's Damian Lillard going up against Steph Curry. What a matchup this would be! However, Damian Lillard has had a down year to years past in terms of his field goal percentage, his shooting. Tonight, you also have C.J. McCollum out with a collapsed lung. I hope he feels better, he gets well soon. But it's just too much uh, for Portland, for Damian Lillard to do this. I think Damian Lillard will have a good night. I think he relishes these big-time matchups, again, over Steph. But so does Steph as well, especially with a team like Portland who doesn't have a great defense. Uh, I think Golden State is going to wind up also winning this game. Still no Klay Thompson back. Andre Iguodala is still out. But the Golden State Warriors are going to find a way to win this game. And I think they win it big as well. Now moving on to the NHL. Last night, I was able to pick up some of the game for the New York Rangers and the Chicago Blackhawks. Now this was a close game. And then there was a big hit that happened, and it just made me dislike the Rangers already more than I did. Uh, that was Jacob Truba, uh, to me, which looked like a dirty hit on the Blackhawks player uh, Juhar Kira, and it was as bad uh, because he had to get stretchered off the ice anytime something like that happens and they have to put you know put you in a stretcher you know with a head thing in there to stabilize you. It does not look good. I'm glad Chicago said that uh, he's talking, he's responsive, because that hit was bad. I know Kira had his head down, but Truba, you know, lowered his body, moved up on impact, and just a bad, bad hit that happened. Now, do I expect anything to be done by the NHL? No. No, no, and no, and this is probably why people are frustrated with the NHL. Things go down. You had last year uh, the Tom Wilson uh, situation and Artemi Panarin, where nothing happened. Then you had a couple of days ago Connor McDavid ejected for boarding, no suspension to him. Nothing's going to happen to Truba. So I just can't take the NHL seriously. I really can't, when there's plays that shouldn't happen, you know, this was the NFL, you know, you would get your 15-yard penalty, you get targeting, you get misconduct, ejection, fines, all that jazz. NBA, you know, you do something remotely bad and that can you flick somebody, uh, that's a flagrant two and you're gone. So a lot of people have cracked down. I know hockey is a very physical sport, but I do think... They need to crack down to also uh, protect players, especially blatant hits like that. The one last night by Jacob Truba. The NHL has to go in there and do something. The very poor commissioner that he is, that's no good at his job for the NHL. Uh, I forget which one it is because there's so many poor commissioners out there for their respective leagues. Uh, Gary Bettman, the NHL commissioner. He needs to do something other than just sit around and collect a check for doing absolutely nothing. I mean, what a terrible commissioner, terrible job that he does for the NHL. Uh, He needs to go, but also, uh, I know he won't, and the NHL won't stop cracking down on the hits like that. But tonight, TNT, Dallas Stars, Vegas Golden Knights, both teams staying afloat. Pacific, you know, is loaded right there in the mid tier of teams. Vegas is right there. Dallas in the same position. Uh, both have 28 points. Who has the edge here? I'm going with the Stars. They're very hot. Won nine of their past uh, 10 games, they've won seven in a row. Joe Pavelski has been great. Uh, Miro Heiskin and Rupi Hentz. Uh, this Dallas team is effective on all fronts, on all lineups. I really like this with how Vegas has been shorthanded. They've been able to weather the storm, not overcome it. I like Dallas to win this game tonight. in my top five teams in the NHL. Number five, the Minnesota Wild. Yes, they are still number one, and they are cruising, actually, at number one right now, taking off in the Central Division. They're 18-6-1 with 37 points. They have scored 96 goals, uh, which happens to be tied for the most goals scored this year, offensively getting it done. They're on a seven-game win streak. They've won eight of their past ten games. Uh they also have a seven-point lead on the second-best team in the Central. They are creating separation early. The Minnesota Wild is a good team. The deal for Kirill Kaprizov is good because you know, he is their leading point scorer. Uh, Ryan Hartman's also good on this team. So the Minnesota Wild are a really good team. Number four, the New York Rangers, another team that's hot right now. They've won seven in a row. Nine of their past ten. The goalie tandem is working out well between Gorgiev and Shesterkin. Uh This is a team, you know, could they find a way? A lot of same uh, talent from last year. The head coach has been an improvement. Gerald Gallant has been great for this team. The adjustments he's made to the uh, line, added the kid line there. Uh, Lafreniere and them. Uh, Panarin has been out of his mind uh, to start the season. So far for the New York Rangers. Number three. The Toronto Maple Leafs. A team that's also hot. They've won seven of their past 10. At 38 points right now. uh, Tied for most in the league. 18 wins. That happens to be tied for the most in the league. Their goalie Campbell has been terrific. And like I see the Stars have been out this year to play. Austin Matthews, Mark Riley, John Tavares, uh, Nylander, all of them for Toronto. Mitch Marner have been effective in scoring. Uh, This team is very dangerous. But number one, or my bad, number two, Washington Capitals. Number one in the Metro, again, tied most points with 38. Uh, They have won seven of their past 10. Evgeny Kuznetsov. What kind of year would he have? All the turmoil surrounding him. He's been brilliant while Nicholas Backstrom has not played a game. Alex Ovechkin, again, like I said, is on his way to breaking record after record. Leads his team in scoring and points, assists, goals. Ovechkin is doing it all, is on another tear. Another one who is in legitimate, I think, MVP consideration. Forget about the players down there, you know, with Dreisaitl and McDavid's at Edmonton. Uh, Dreisaitl's at 43 leading, but you still have a player that is, you know, 36 years old, Alex Ovechkin. Third place in points right behind the two young guns. Dry and McDavid, two points behind at 41. Alex Ovechkin is on a tear. Number one team is still the Florida panthers Again, tied for the most points in the league. They've won seven of their past ten. They're tied for most goals scored so far this year. A team that has played great, Sergei Bobrovsky, has bounced back. Jonathan Huberto, Alexander Barkov, Anthony Duclair, Patrick Hornquist have all played valuable roles in this season, which proves last year you know they were right there, hung in with Tampa Bay. But they needed a little bit more to get over the edge. Florida you know, wants that one seed to not have any matchup with Tampa Bay in the first round. Uh, they are doing what needs to be done. They are the best team in the NHL right now in a tough division with Toronto, with Tampa Bay. So those are my top five teams in the NHL. The Minnesota Wild, the New York Rangers, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Washington Capitals, and the Florida Panthers. Now moving on to college football. I was right. On the Heisman finalists. I said on Monday, you know, the Heisman finalists would be Aiden Hutchinson, Kenny Pickett, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young. And I was right. Those were the four players that are Heisman finalists. Now, who is my pick to win the Heisman? If I was a betting man, I would choose Bryce Young. He has had a fantastic year this year. Number one, a great a quarterback by Pro uh, Football Focus. He is also uh, number four in pass yards at forty three hundred. You know, over you know Kenny Pickett. He's just been great this year. Uh, I'm not going to let my Michigan bias get in the way. I'm going to say Bryce Young. I would love to see Aiden Hutchinson win and pull off an upset because he has been a great defensive player, will probably be the number one draft pick. But I think Bryce Young will get it. I'm not going to say put all this blame that Aiden Hutchinson should get it. It's an offensive award. It's even a quarterback award. Uh, But I think Bryce Young is deserving of winning the Heisman. Now I'm going to give you my best college players of this past season. I know there was so much hype surrounding a Matt Corral. He was great this year. He was tremendous. Injury kind of hurt him later in the season, even though they were still winning games. Biggest disappointment, I would say, Spencer Radler. Got benched second half of the season. I mean, he just could not show up. I mean, a man pegged, you know, if he has a great year. You know, he'll win the Heisman and you know be one of the next great quarterbacks. But it never panned out. Now he's entering the transfer portal. Next step, Spencer Rattler, is a big one. But there are so many great college players out there. Aiden Hutchinson, definitely one of them. I mean, he showed up in the biggest games when they needed him. The Penn State game, which was close. He showed up. The most pivotal game of their season, Ohio State, showed up. You know, three sacks, 15 pressures. That's insane. He had a field day with one of the better left tackles in college football. He had the crazy sack and fumble recovery for a touchdown against Michigan State, which was called back, and they could be 13-0 and right now. So he was a game record all season. Another defensive player I have to give props to, Will Anderson. I know this debate. Aiden Hutchinson, Will Anderson. Why is Aiden up there? For Heisman, if Will Anderson you know, had one more sack and like 20 more tackle for losses, well, Aiden Hutchinson showed up in the big moments. Will Anderson was consistent, but there was a lot of flaws in this defense as well, uh, especially he wasn't the best run defender, uh, where Aiden Hutchinson is just the full package. The leader, the runs defender, the pass rusher. He is the premium package deal. You have to look at more than just numbers sometimes because numbers don't tell the whole story. Bryce Young, a fantastic, you know, the 97-yard engineering drive against Auburn. uh, The win against uh, Georgia. The gaudy numbers he put up against Arkansas, the 500-plus yards himself. I mean, Bryce Young has had himself a tremendous year. C.J. Stroud. Another player, quarterback for Ohio State, who led the league in QBR as a freshman. A freshman. He was another player, poised, ready for a moment. I know Michigan defense got a lot of credit, but he still threw 350 yards on that Michigan defense, which I have a lot of respect for and think it's one of the best in the nation. C.J. Stroud was tremendous this year. Another player, Hassan Haskins. I know a lot of talk. Kenneth Walker, and he had his five-touchdown moment on Michigan, but in an even bigger moment against Ohio State. Nowhere to be found where Hassan Haskins in bigger moments uh, with no Blake Corum. He ran all over Ohio State. Five touchdowns in that game right there. He was brilliant all season long. He showed up, uh, was great Was the true number one back. Hassan Haskins was brilliant this year as well. Those were some of my top players in college football. Now what about some of the past games? There were so many college football games this season. There were so many tremendous ones. I I had to narrow it down to 10 because there was just so many games. There's games I'll, I'll probably miss. But some of the best games this season. Oregon, Ohio State. Oregon, what an underdog going to the shoe to face Ohio State. No Kevin Thibodeau as well, but they pulled out the win. Verdell, the quarterback, the running game, the back and forth to Ohio State coming back. But in the end, Oregon prevailed. What a great game. Toledo vs. Notre Dame. Notre Dame looked shaky. Beginning of the season, Notre Dame had to come back and beat Toledo. They also had to do the same thing against Virginia Tech as well. You know, that early part of the season was rough for Notre Dame where they were winning by field goals. They lost to Cincinnati before they turned it around. Notre Dame had some classic games in the beginning of the season. Some other classic games. How about every Nebraska game could be considered a close game because, hey, we're 3-9. I'll say they're the best 3-9 team ever. Every game they lost, all 9 were by single digits and I think actually less than a touchdown margin. I think of the Oklahoma one. They had it on the brink and Oklahoma had kind of the interception slash catch of the year down there at the end of the Michigan game uh, where they took the lead in the fourth quarter but Michigan came back. I mean every Nebraska game was close. They took Michigan State to overtime. Oklahoma, Texas. Oklahoma had a 20 point or Texas had a 20 point lead over Oklahoma. This offense was killing it and then the second half they could not get it done. Oklahoma stored back. Game-winning touchdown with no time left. I mean, what a performance by Oklahoma that game. That was when Caleb Williams showed up, took both reins from Spencer Radler, took the keys, went off running. Great job by Caleb Williams. And that just set off second-half loss after second-half loss for Texas. Another great game. Alabama-Texas A&M. Who would have thought? Texas A&M losing two straight games. Mississippi State, Arkansas. Can they beat Alabama, compete? I know they're a home, home of a 12th man. Could they do it? I didn't think they could, but that didn't matter because they believed Texas A&M beat Alabama. Last second field goal, 41-38. Jimbo Fisher, first former assistant to beat his former coach. He was 24-0. Then 24-1 till that moment. Jimbo Fisher had a great performance offensive game plan to beat Alabama. Oregon and UCLA. Oregon's ranked high. You know, they need a win. Can they beat UCLA? UCLA's up early in this game. Oregon storms back. It's back and forth. Oregon pulls out the win in the Rose Bowl Stadium against UCLA. Baylor and TCU. The TCU drama firing their coach dead in the water. Uh, Baylor is playing well, but TCU somehow wins this game by two points, unranked, beat Baylor. What a tremendous performance. Purdue, the Purdue spoiler makers. They beat Iowa 24 7, but that wasn't even their most impressive upset. Michigan State at number three in the college football playoff rankings played Purdue, and Purdue dominated. Michigan State, and quite the upset that was made this year. Then another one, Ohio State, Michigan. Michigan, big underdog. Nobody thought they could beat Ohio State, but they go out and win the game. First time in a decade. What a game that was. And then you also can factor in the conference championships last week. You had the great Baylor-Oklahoma State game as well. So what a season. It was for college football. I mean, just tremendous, brilliant year. Uh, It's not over. There's you know the Army Navy game this Sun Saturday, and then the week after that starts all of the bowl games. So it'll be a great finish uh, to the college football season that has been brilliant. Looking forward to all those bowl games uh, upcoming. But this has been get your goat. I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye, everybody.